Hello and welcome to the Manchester's Red Podcast. My name is Stephen Railston and today I'm joined by my colleagues Rich Fay and Tyrone Marshall. Rich, I'll start with you today. How's yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I think we're all sort of looking ahead to Watford this weekend. The end is in sight. Another grim international break coming to the end uh, from a United point of view. So yeah, I'm looking forward to return to club football and something to write about that's not just the manager for a change. We all hate the international break around these parts and so does Ty. Ty, how are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm all right, Stephen. You've summed it up pretty well there. The international break is a, a grim time of the year. Some reasonably interesting international games, I guess, uh, this break. But yeah, still, I think I'd still rather be watching club football. <laughs> yeah, of course, naturally. Um, on the subject of club football, obviously, Manchester United are playing on Saturday. They return to Premier League action away at Vicarage Road against Watford. And the main talking point is obviously the elephant in the room. Charles Godwell is expected to remain in charge for that game. Um, so, Rich, is that a surprise, really, um, amid the poor results? I think we kind of expected it, to be honest. We, we didn't see a decision being made, and one hasn't been made, it seems. Players return to training today. So, are you surprised that he will be in the dugout, and where do you see United going from here? It's one of those sort of scenarios where you probably say, from a United point of view, maybe disappointed but not surprised, because the chance is there to, to make a change last week at the start of last week just because it's the international break you don't have another one until March this is usually the time of year where it's popular to make a change I think we saw was it five changes uh, I think in the Football League after, on, on the weekend that United lost to City I think there were five managerial changes in the fo- entire Football League and you look around the league as well now that we've seen so much so much change as well at a managerial level that is the obvious time to, to make a change. But if United were really going to sack Solskjaer, it should have been after the Liverpool game, I think, just because of the nature of it, how humiliating it was. From United point of view, it wouldn't have looked like they're being overly harsh. There was there was re- real reason to do so then because, you know, it was a real, real low point in the modern history of the club and in terms of a result like that at home to, to Liverpool as well. So the, the chance didn't come. And after the City game, it almost did Solskjaer a favour that it was only 2-0. I know anyone watching the game will say, well, it could have been 5 or 6 if City really wanted it to. But on paper, it was just 2-0. And you can sort of write that off to one side if you want to. United are very positive. That's that's why they got Solskjaer in the first place, really, isn't it? I mean, from a United point of view, they can say we're still in touching distance of Liverpool. It's only two free wins and they're right back up in the, in the, in the conversation again for Champions League qualification and subsequently at a title race. The fact that all these sort of admitting United won't win a league shows that, that it probably hasn't been a successful season at all, has it? And, you know, it's difficult to get that gauge because particularly as we're on social media all day for our jobs, having to sort of monitor what fans think, etc. And there is still that that difference between match-going fans and social media fans. And, you know, the, the supporters inside Old Trafford haven't turned on Solskjaer once. He's still a club legend. They still love him. Online, anything you post gets, re- gets these replies of Zidane, Ten Hag, Rodgers, Pochettino, just anyone, anyone but Solskjaer. They just want news of that sacking. They're hungry for it. But then on the on the flip side, really, you know, if United were to win their next three games, they'd be right back in 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 the mix again, and you know the mood would change really quickly. So United had the chance last week if they were going to make a change. The fact that they didn't, you know, I, I think Solskjaer will get get a little while longer now, to be honest, because I feel they've missed the chance. If United were to even lose the next two games, or whatever, to then sack Solskjaer after you've missed the chance to to have. To get a change in, give them some time to work with the squad would just would just look awful. But you know, this is Man United, and they don't always make decisions which which do make sense. But yeah, I'm not surprised Solskjaer's going to be in charge this weekend. United, like I said, have missed the chance to sack him. Really, I think even maybe this year, I I, I the part of me thinks that you know he could easily be in the job 
to, towards March and April now because until it's mathematically impossible, there's almost United can always argue there's reason to keep him. Ty, I'll give you the opportunity just to add to that, really. Obviously, Rich has said that he thinks they have missed the chance to sack him. I saw you do a tweet earlier on. It's, it was almost like it was second season. And we saw a lot of changes in the Premier League, and understandably so. It was the last international break before the January window. So would you agree with that statement that you think they have missed the chance to, to part ways with Solskjaer? They've certainly missed their best chance, I think. Yeah, and I think the only reason it hasn't happened is the lack of uh, an obvious, credible replacement who is easily attainable. Um I mean, if there's talk about Zidane, if they wanted Zidane, they could have got Zidane. And if Zidane wanted United, that, that's the easiest one to do because he's available. But I don't think United are particularly keen on him. And I don't think Zidane's particularly enthused about working in the Premier League. So I don't think it's a case, you know, I don't think he tops the list. I think the three most obvious candidates are Pochettino, Rodgers and Ten Hag. Probably Pochettino and Rodgers the top two. But I don't think any of those three are really available at the moment. We saw how determined PSG were to keep Pochettino in the summer when Tottenham wanted him. Ten Hag's got a very exciting Ajax team who I think could, could, could cause a real shock in the Champions League this year and doesn't want to leave mid-season by all accounts. Leicester are going to be determined to keep hold of, of Rodgers given the work he's done there. And I don't think it's any secret that Rodgers has got admirers at the Etihad as well. And he, he might be thinking that there's maybe an even better job for him down the line. So I think there's complications with all of the potential candidates, which is why United... Uh, are basically crossing their fingers and hoping because that's all it is now with Solskjaer. This, they had the opportunity after Liverpool. That was a free week. That could have been a time when he was sacked on the Monday and it at least gives you five days to, if not get a replacement in, at least get a plan together, get a suitable caretaker. They didn't do it then. This was the next best opportunity. In some ways, City taking it easy in the second half two weeks ago. No, when was it? Eight days ago. Has, has maybe saved Solskjaer with Liverpool losing to West Ham as well. That weekend, it's it's maybe put a better gloss on on what happens, put a better gloss on the league table, and has has maybe kind of changed him. But it certainly was the, you know, it is second season. I don't think it's any coincidence that Dean Smith and Daniel Farker were sacked by the time the weekend was out last weekend. Farker was sacked after a win. Neil Warnock was sacked by Middlesbrough straight after the game last weekend. It is an ideal time to get a new manager in, give yourself time to a get the appointment right, and then b. Dean Smith at Norwich, Gerard um, at Villa, Chris Wilder at Middlesbrough have all got at least a week now on the training ground with their players. Okay, there's going to be some internationals in those squads, but not loads. But they've got at least a week to get their ideas across, and that luxury is is basically denied a new manager now. If you're nice to make a change between now and Christmas, they're playing every midweek until Christmas week when it's the League Cup uh, quarterfinals, I think it is. So there is no free midweek for a manager to get extra time on the training ground. This week, for example, if they lose at Watford, it's almost impossible to sack him before going to Villarreal on the Monday. There's just not the time to do it. So I think they have, you know, they have certainly missed the best chance. If results continue to nosedive, then they will have to pull the trigger because he's obviously not going to be sacked if they're out of a title challenge because they're out of a title challenge already. But if they suddenly find themselves eight or nine, ten points behind top four, I think we'll see a panic and he'll maybe be sacked. Um but I think it, it's going to be complicated then to get the right caretaker in and get things done purely because the schedule now is so relentless. 
Sometimes it seems there's almost no logic behind the decision-making in football clubs. That's just the nature of the business. And we can sit here on a higher horses and see how easy it is. Um, but why do you actually think they'll not sack them then, Rich? Obviously, we've touched upon the lack of candidates out there. There is only a certain few managers that are out there that could mm. take over. But if you want to delve into a bit deeper, do you think, they can, do you think they've still got belief in Charles Scott to turn it around and to turn the club's fortunes around at this moment? I think it, it, it doesn't almost matter if they have belief in Solskjaer or not like behind the scenes. It's the fact that they publicly have backed him. You know, you gave him a new long-term deal in the summer. You let him give his assistants new long-term deals as well. You've backed him with a ridiculous sort of summer spending. You've bought Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, arguably the greatest player to ever play the game. You've bought Rafael Varane. You know, they've bought into Solskjaer. You know, that I know it's easy to criticise him, but Ronaldo and Varane and Sancho have all seen enough to leave where they are comfortable places to come to United to challenge for a league title. United have invested so much in Oligon Solskjaer that it does just feel like now they're crossing their fingers and hoping it comes good, like it did when they appointed him as a caretaker manager. I mean, Solskjaer himself is sort of evidence of what happens when you sack a manager without that contingency plan. They had to get rid of Jose Mourinho, but they didn't have anyone to bring in. So it was, oh, who can bring in someone like Solskjaer who's happy-go-lucky? No, he's quite easy. He's very, he fits the, the narrative of the club. You know, club media love him. He's, he's always positive. And now he's still there. And it's just sort of, his whole reign will just sort of summarise United and the fact that they almost reflect their social media fan base and that they can get so easily carried away when things are going well and just be so naive to to other problems anyway. And, you know, Solskjaer, even during that amazing run when he, beget, when he began the job, he should never have got the job on a permanent basis. But United were so happy with it that they got carried away and did that. They were saying how many sort of TikTok followers they get, how many social media engagements they get, because, you know, that's what they still value in. You know, from from United point of view, you've got to have you know that DNA where we say that it's never give up. It's, there's always a chance. There's always a belief, and Solskjaer epitomises that as well. Because, like I said earlier, United are theoretically two wins away from leapfrogging Liverpool or something, and the narrative can change very quickly. We've seen in recent weeks how Arsenal have gone from a team who are in crisis to now being an up and coming team with a manager who's exciting, with a team who have a clear identity. So. You know, that's what's so perverse. In two weeks' time, United could, you know, they could be higher in the table. Things could be going well. But we've seen so much already over this near three years of Solskjaer that things keep on going around in circles. But to get back to where you were to begin with, really, why United haven't sacked Solskjaer? Yes, it's partly because they want to say there's not anyone in place to take over. But again, with Mourinho sacking, they've done it before and they appointed that manager permanently. So that does cut it anymore and if things are getting bad you get rid of your manager it doesn't matter if you've not got someone in place if things are going bad you've got to end that run but ultimately it's because United have backed him so much he's still popular within the key figures and the decision makers at Old Trafford and another thing as well is Ed Woodward is well supposedly meant to be leaving United of course there's talk of this advisor role that he could be getting which you know wouldn't sort of be a permanent role but he's, he's someone for the club to go to if they want to but his last act as United uh, as this vice chairman, you know, he doesn't want it to be sacking a manager, a manager that he's invested so much in. When Ed Woodward's whole tenure at United has been just, you know, linked with failure. Ever since Wood, Ed Woodward's been at the club, United have been, you know, they've not they've been knocked off their perch. So Ed Woodward's not going to want his last act as a United executive vice chairman to be sacking a manager who he so publicly endorsed and who he keeps on endorsing and who they back so heavily in the summer with a new contract and with so many new players. 
We've kind of talked about the, the candidates that are available to replace Sean Scott if he was to leave the club. And the MEN did a survey and 17,000 people replied and 32% voted for Ten Hag, Ten Hag tie. Um, what did you think of that, really? And it, it was just, Opinion was split among fans on who would be the best replacement, but the majority kind of lent the back into the Ajax boss. What do you think of his credentials to take over? And do you think he would be a good fit? Um, I think probably a good fit. But I think the issue is it's impossible to to say really, and I think the fact that you know he he won that survey with thirty two percent shows that that's not an overwhelming majority really, and it is, you know, I can make an argument if we if we talk about Ten Hag, Rodgers, and Pochettino, I can make an argument for all three, but you can probably also make an argument against all three, and I mean Ten Hag, his teams play great football. The caveat is it's it's with. Ajax, it's in the Dutch league. He's not been exposed to a club like United, the pressures that come at a club come at a club like United, and working with big name players like United. You know, I mean Ajax's biggest signing in the summer was Sebastian Haller from West Ham. So he's not working with with big name players and with those sorts of egos. But he built a great Ajax team that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League three years ago now, was it 2018-2019? A lot of them have left. And he's built another great team. Their form in the Champions League this year has been phenomenal. I mean, they've just been Borussia Dortmund 7-1 across two games. They won 5-1 away at Sporting Lisbon. So they're clearly a, a very good, very exciting team to watch. And I think he, he is certainly, if you take social media as a gauge, which you probably shouldn't, I think he's um, I think he's a favourite on there. But uh, there's, there's definitely an inherent risk in appointing someone from Ajax who's never managed to club at, at United's level before. I mean, before that, he managed Utrecht and Bayern Munich second team. So he hasn't got that experience, but I think he'd be a fascinating appointment purely because of the, the football he plays is quite unique. He's very attacking. His teams are clearly very entertaining. But there's, you cannot say with any certainty that he's a guarantee of success because he's he's not really. But you can make an argument for, for and against, I think, all three of the candidates. And in a way, that, that is United's problem at the moment. The one man who would benefit is Donny van der Beek. I think we all know that. I think he'd have a smile on his face, wouldn't he? If he weekly shout out on the pod. <laughs> water is wet. Water is wet. Uh, Rich, the players have obviously returned to Carrington today after the international break. Um, we went out for a meal before the City game. Um, not that that worked from a team morale point on the pitch. What do you think the message will be down this week of training, Carrington? What do you think the mood will be? There's been a lot of talk about Solskjaer losing the dressing room. Do you think it's got that stage yet? I, I don't think it's got maybe to the extent of alarm bells ringing. I think there's clear doubts in the dressing room. I think there's a clear sort of divide growing as well between the players who are clearly his favourites and the players who are, are being so often overlooked. Like you said, Van der Beek, Jesse Lingard, Juan Mata, Dallo, Eric Bailly. You know, these players are players who will have been promised playing time in the summer, but just aren't getting it at the moment and aren't getting it enough. You saw when Harry Maguire was rushed back from injury against Leicester and had a horror show. You know, he's a clear favourite ahead of someone like who feels he earned a chance, someone who signed a new contract himself. So I think there's doubts. I think there's questions about Solskjaer. Um, I wouldn't say he's lost the dressing room yet, not from, I don't think it's got to that extreme. I think there's clear doubts and clear just questions of the direction the club are going in because you've got the group of players who were here last season, the season before, who've bought into this this decision going forward and there's just not been any progress. You've got the players who could have left in the summer but decided to stay and get one more chance who haven't been given that chance despite being promised it. And then you've got people like Ronaldo, Varane, who come in expecting. They left huge, huge clubs because they wanted to win the Premier League title. 
and they must be realising that this season's almost a write-off because they're not going to win the Premier League. They might, yeah, they could win the Champions League. We saw Chelsea last year that you know stranger things have happened. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be that you know drastic, a, you know, sort of a shock if if United did somehow get that win together. And I know it sounds weird now, but again, that sort of comes back to the social argument. They could still win something major this season. I don't think they will, but. They can and they could because they're good in sort of cup competitions and especially when the odds are stacked against them, it almost feels inevitable that Solskjaer's in charge. United will somehow knock out the Champions League favourites in March or, or something and you know gloss it over again for another two weeks. But yeah, in terms of the dressing room, I think there's clear doubts. I think another issue for United in a way is buying Ronaldo this summer only increased the expectation. Ronaldo's a probably a more authoritative figure in the dressing room than Solskjaer. You know, Ronaldo's got such a track record of winning things. He said he had unfinished business here at Old Trafford. And, you know, the second that you lose him and, you know, it starts to turn between those two, then that's when I think that Solskjaer will be out of the door because we've seen at the end of three or four games this season already, Ronaldo has just been so frustrated. He's walked straight down the tunnel. He's just been he's just been shell-shocked. It's similar to what we saw with Portugal on Sunday night when they lost to Serbia. He just looked totally bereft of ideas. He's trying his best, but he's operating as a solo artist and the rest of the team are letting him down, really. So I think that, you know, the expectation is so much higher on Solskjaer this season. Two, three years ago, this sort of start to the new campaign would be allowed of mitigation, but it shouldn't anymore because they didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo then. They didn't have these serial winners in the squad who, who they got this summer. So I think for now, you know... There is a general will for Solskjaer to come good, and you know he's still popular as a person. He's got that human touch. He's still he is good as a man manager in terms of dealing with those personal issues and stuff. But in terms of actually rotating his team, dealing with injuries, dealing with team selections, the jury's still so much out. And I think that there's so much outcry now from players, from ex pundits, you know, and and stuff that I think that it's gonna it's gonna grow at some point. I don't think it's at breaking point quite yet. But if the form didn't continue heading into the winter, it so easily could be at a point of sort of no return for Solskjaer. Rich was just discussing uh, Ronaldo's kind of leadership qualities there, Ty, and I think we'd probably all be in agreement that he has been that driving force in this United side this season. Um, United's actual captain, though, Harry Maguire, has obviously struggled for form and he's probably having the worst season of his career. Um, and obviously, I'm sure you saw he scored for England um, during the international break. And I was going to ask you, what did you think of his celebration, Ty? Because that was a bit of a talking point on social media. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I didn't think it was great, to be honest. Um, I didn't think it made an awful lot of sense. And he didn't really back it up with words afterwards when he was asked about it. I think he said it was just an e-slide. I mean, it obviously wasn't just an e-slide. Um, I'm guessing it was, you know, I doubt Harry Maguire was going out onto the pitch expecting to score and planning a celebration. So I imagine it's just something that has come spontaneously. But, you know, I wouldn't go as far as Roy Keane did after the match. But I didn't think it was great. Um you know, he's obviously had an awful lot of criticism this year. And unfortunately, it's the way of the world at Manchester United that when things are going wrong, you're going to get a lot of criticism. And on social media, a lot of it is going to be personal. But he has to accept that in the last, in the gap in the last international break, he was really poor, pretty regularly. He was awful at Leicester. He was awful against Liverpool. There were, there were other games where he was, he was pretty poor. Those two were certainly the Nadia. So it's understandable he's going to get criticised. And he's the captain and an £80 million centre-half in a team that is defending atrociously. So, you know, he is going to get criticised. So it, it's not a case of blocking it out and I'm not listening to the noise. The only way to, to answer those critics is to play better, really. And I think part of it is he's being let down by the system. I think the entire defence at United has been let down by the system. 
He looked very good in the second half of last season. And I know England played Albania on Friday night, but he looked pretty good against Albania. He was good on the ball. He was good at carrying the ball out. And he was against better opposition in the Euros. He was outstanding. He was in the team of the tournament in the Euros and he looked one of the best centre-halves in Europe at that time. So I think it's as much a structural issue at United, but he has been poor and it's inevitably going to get criticism. And the best way to answer it is to play better rather than do a celebration where you you know, you put your fingers in your ear when you're in a United team that's lost six in, in 12 games. So, you know, I think he has to accept that he's he's going to get criticism for it. And he needs to start playing for Man United like he plays for England because when he plays for England, he's he's generally outstanding. Moving forward to Watford, then Rich, obviously, on Saturday afternoon away in London. Um, so Ty's just touched upon the formation in the system. Solskjaer had changed that in recent weeks. He moved to five at the back or, or three at the back. Um, do you think he's going to go to a more attacking approach against Watford? Because surely you can't get away with playing five at the back against, with all due respect, inferior opposition. No, exactly. And even if he was to play five at the back and get a result, that is just delaying the inevitable because that's just not what Manchester United do. It doesn't matter what sort of troubles they got, who's injured, etc. You can't be going away to these sort of teams who you expect to be in a relegation battle and playing on the defensive and trying to hit them on the break. It you know, it, it might almost work because that's what United have as their strength at the moment, but it's just not the United way. And I was looking the other day, I was when I was doing a piece, I looked back to see the the sort of comments when Solskjaer was given his new contract in the summer and Ed Woodward said on on record that it wasn't just what United have achieved under Solskjaer, but it was the fact they were doing so playing like attacking, exciting football. And, you know, that is still a huge part of what United want going forward because there's there's, there's some teams in world football where it's just about results. But for United, it's always been about results and style. And United really need to reinforce that. They need to just have that sort of arrogance about them. I know that Watford, last time in the Premier League, they obviously had that huge win against Liverpool. They beat United 2-0 at Vicarage Road. You can't just say that, United are going to beat every team who's in the bottom half 3-4-0 every week because that just doesn't happen. It's never happened in football. But it, is a, it isn't a surprise that you see the likes of, you know, we've seen this year, we saw Chelsea against Norwich absolutely pulverise them. Whenever you watch City or Liverpool, usually against these sort of teams, it's such a non-event, really. It can be 4-5-0 regularly, where for United that just doesn't happen. And if Solskjaer is to turn things around he needs to not only win but to do so in style and, and confidently and he almost needs that performance he had in his first match as caretaker manager where United seemed to be dropping points all the time he comes in against Cardiff they win 5-1 it was just free-flowing attacking football United were ruthless they were clinical they went straight back to basics there wasn't too much tactical work in it which you know in the long run you'll get found out for but United just need to really embrace their own attacking talents this weekend and I do think that in a weird way, Solskjaer's not got anything else to lose now because he's so on the ropes that just go out there and attack. You know, if you go out there, play 4-3-3, play the... Like, I know you're not going to do this, but basically play the team that online fans would vote for. Play Van der Beek, <laughs> play Ronaldo, play everyone that the fans want. Play them in a the 4-3-3. If the result doesn't come, say, well, you can blame the players because you've played your strongest team. You've played the formation everyone wants. But if Solskjaer's going there, setting up shop, and then United are dropping points, there's no one else to blame other than the manager for being such uh, so reluctant in the first place. So I think from Solskjaer's point of view, he has got so little to lose now. Obviously, he'll say the job, but that is literally what he's hanging on for. But because there's so much stacked against him and it feels inevitable that he's going to lose his job this season, I generally would just go gunko. And that's what I'd like to see personally. I think that's what most fans would like to see. And I think it would give Solskjaer a lot of credit as well, particularly if he did, like I said earlier, 
give one or two of those fringe players who've been promised chances who haven't got them a chance. You know, Van der Beek, who has been effective in his last few appearances. Lingard, who's got, you know, he, he's been great this season, but he's just not starting games. So, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd do personally, but I'm not a manager and I'd probably been sacked a long time ago <laughs> if I was. Ty, last time you were in London, um, we all know you struggled to get back home. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not mentioned that. So I hope if you obviously have Vicarage Road this weekend, you have a bit more luck coming back. Um, what's your expectations, personnel wise, as Richard just touched upon for that game? But ahead of that, Villarreal on Tuesday, um, Chelsea and Arsenal after. It's hard to predict at the moment in the current situation, but where can you see United after that run of games? Um, yeah, it is very hard to predict. I mean, with Chelsea and Arsenal coming up, they have to win at Watford, don't they? And I think. I think it'd be back to the 4-2-3-1 and back to attacking. I thought it was um, noticeable that Solskjaer said in his press conference after the Man City game about the win at Tottenham that it wasn't how he wanted his, his team to look. So he was even admitting that that win was built on something that was just desperation to get a win. And the fact that he was making the point that it's not how he wants his team to look would suggest that he will go back to, to being attacking if he's going to go down and then go down in a blaze of, of glory, I guess. Um but yeah, they've got to, you know, they've got to beat Watford in those games coming up. Villarreal, I guess, a draw would be okay. I mean, even if they're lost, I think if they beat Young Boys in their last game at home, they'll go through, and they should do that. So it's not imperative that one. That equaliser at Atalanta was massive, really, for that game. And then after that, yeah, I mean, the trip to Chelsea on current form, it's hard to see them getting anything. And I think the Arsenal game is going to be hugely interesting because, in a way, it's I think it's an issue for Solskjaer and United that Arsenal have suddenly found their feet under Arteta. Tottenham have got Conte in, you know, five of the top six have now got managers who, well, they will have next season, barring some kind of disaster. They've got the manager in that they want to have. United haven't. And the, we, we all thought at the start of the season that top four was basically nailed on. Now, you'd say less so. If Arsenal continue to improve under Arteta, Conte's got a record of, of hitting the ground running with teams. So if Tottenham and Arsenal both suddenly pick up and it becomes a real fight for the top four, it's going to be a real issue for United and Solskjaer. So I think the um, the Arsenal game, although it, it feels like a few weeks away at the moment, is going to be hugely important. But before that, with those runner fixtures coming up, he, you know, United definitely have to win on, on Saturday. I think that's non-negotiable, really. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting few weeks and no doubt it'll give a lot to talk about and to write about. Um, Rich, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you, Ty. Cheers, Stephen. And best of luck, Ty, like I said, this weekend. We don't want any more <laughs> train rubbish going on, do we? Exactly, exactly. Definitely not. And, and thanks to listeners, as usual. Thanks for your time. Take care.